Hello, everybody. My name is Jake McGrail, and alongside me are Mike Liu and Ollie Nicholas of CITR Sports, broadcasting live from UBC's Point Grey campus, located on the unceded grounds of the Musqueam people. You're listening to Thunderbird Eye on CITR 101.9. Always keep you up to date with the latest UBC Thunderbirds news and stories. And before we get into things, have to congratulate Mike coming back after so long away in, uh, in Beijing for the Olympics. On next week's show, we will be talking to you more about, on the air, about uh, all the stuff that went down since the last time we talked to you about the Olympics. But it's great to have you here, even though you were fortunately under the weather last week, so you had to delay your big return, but we're back. Oh my god, we're back. It, <laughs> it feels kind of weird, but um, hey, uh, it's good to be back, and I'm looking forward to, again, getting right back on the show. And do we ever have a packed week of Thunderbird sports to cover? Because the playoffs for the winter sports began... It was a fantastic weekend for hockey, mixed bag for volleyball, not a great one for basketball. In addition, golf had their first tournament of the new year, and both baseball and softball played their first home games in two years. It was a lot of stuff going on, a lot of stuff to cover, and we're going to be starting with uh, probably the, the highest point of this past weekend, that's hockey. Well, Jake, I'm going to start you with some good news, of course. Uh, the Thunderbirds women's hockey team secured a place in the Canada West final for the first time since 2017 after sweeping aside the University of Alberta Pandas in back-to-back victories. The opening game on Friday was a tight one with no goals scored until the third period. The scoring was opened by one of the more usually defensive-minded players, uh, Kanisha Misswagen, who put UBC in the lead three minutes into the final period. Yeah, UBC, they then extended their lead through a scrappy run of play that saw Jenna Fletcher's shot trickle over the goal line. Bit of a goal mouth scramble there, but they all count. The Pandas did get one back with just 2.28 left, but despite that nervy ending, UBC managed to hold on for the win. Elise Huggins, one of the top goalies in Canada West this season, uh, was again strong for the Thunderbirds, making 21 saves, 17 of them in the final two periods. She missed out on what would have been uh, her conference-leading sixth shutout this year, but once ag- um, but came up big once again. The final was in sight for UBC, but unfortunately for them, the second game didn't start so well. It was the Pandas' Megan Wilson who slotted a smart finish past, past Hugens to open the scoring. Yeah, keybirds though, they weren't behind for long. The big game player, yes. Miss Wagon, <laughs> pulled it back with a goal virtually identical to her finish in Game 1. I looked... She scored one goal the entire regular season this year. Back-to-back goals in the playoffs. It, it you love to see time. it. It was her time. <laughs> uh, UBC's leading scorer this season, uh, Shamrit Bassi, put the birds uh, in uh, up in the lead in the second period, sniping a power play goal uh, top shelf before they then put the game away with Kareen Sandilands, Grace Elliott, and Jenna Fletcher all scoring in the third to secure the 5-1 victory. And then, since the first seed Mount Royal Cougars were upset in the other semifinals by Saskatchewan, this also means that the Thunderbirds will host the Saskatchewan Huskies in a best-of-three Canada West final this weekend. Saskatchewan finished as the fifth-best team in the regular season with eleven with a record of 11-7-2, and, and UBC is 1-1 one one against them this season. I mean, you can't ask for better in terms of scheduling, only having to play two playoff series, both of them entirely being at home, higher seed in both ones, so fingers crossed, hopefully 
it goes well for UBC this weekend. Hey, I mean, that dress room's clearly working for them right now. Yeah, I mean, a 5-1 victory <laughs> in the playoffs. That You love to see that. And uh, as well, due to reaching the conference championship series, the Thunderbirds have clinched a spot at Nationals for the first time since 2017. UBC has never won a national title, although they did win silver in 2016, bronze in 2017. They won't be thinking about that just yet, though. Obviously, focus on getting a conference championship. Absolutely. Uh, moving on to the men's, just as the women's team did, the men's did uh, men's team did progress to the Canada West final, booking their place at nationals. Although it wasn't exactly smooth sailing for them, as uh, they went to game three against Mount Royal University, but they got. And they get the job done. And again, this clash going in, I mean, Mount Royal has the best offense in one of the best, the second best offense in Canada West. They boast two two leading score the two leading scorers in Canada West all season, and that's going up against UBC's second best defense in Canada West. So, and I mean, hey, the you, first game, you know, the saying, defense wins championships. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I mean, what what can you say about the first game though? It couldn't have gone better. Carson Miller opened the scoring with his first postseason Canada West goals just. 22 minutes, 44 seconds into the frame before Matt Ravel scored his first of three goals on the night. Ooh. Mm. Uh, (laughs) Late late into the first period. Yeah, Revels, his second of the game came at the 11.04 mark of the third when he deflected a smart point shot on the power play. Chris Douglas then made it four, capitalizing off a rebound from a Scott Atkinson slap shot. And talk about Matt Royal having great offense. UBC going crazy. Game one. <laughs> Absolutely. The star of the show, Matt Ravel, capped off the 5-0 victory, completing his hat trick with just two minutes remaining. After this thumping victory, it looked like securing a place in the final was a formality, but the Cougars had other ideas. The first 15 minutes of the first period of Game 2 belonged to the Cougars, who really came out wanting to redeem themselves from a less than impressive Game 1. They got two goals, six minutes apart, to take a two-goal lead. Yeah, however, T-Birds, they quickly fought back. They had two goals from Jonathan Smart and then one from Austin Glover in the final two minutes of the first enter the break on even terms, really rebounding after that rough start. The second period was scoreless, and then just as the sense of potential overtime started to creep in, the Cougars scored at the 7.44 mark of the third to put themselves ahead and uh, eventually force a third game. Just like the previous two games of the series, the Cougars, uh, just like the previous two games of the series, the Cougars started strong, scoring at the 13.26 mark when Levi Cle- uh Kleber, Levi Kleber, great name, of course, uh, <laughs> fired a hard shot past Ryland Toth. That was the only shot past Toth all night, as well. The Canada West uh, first team All Stars stopped 29 uh, on the night. Yeah, two great goalies for our men's and women's teams. We'd love to see it. The T-Birds pushed on in the second period. Atkinson leveled the score with a nice in-tight shot on the man advantage at the 12.53 mark. And from there, the T-Birds were clearly on top as they looked to close out the game. Finally, midpoint, midway point through the third, the Birds took the lead through Ravel, who scored his fourth of the series. The Cougars came dangerously close to scoring in the dying seconds as they had an extra attacker on, but somehow the puck stayed out and UBC won 2-1. And now, the Thunderbirds, they head into Alberta uh, against the Giants of Canada West um, in an attempt to claim UBC's first conference banner in 50 years. Uh, that series it takes place on, uh, begins on March 18th. UBC plays against Alberta, which they look nigh unstoppable, but who knows? This team getting on a roll, get some momentum, who knows? 
Yeah, UBC. They've not beaten Cal- uh, Alberta. I was going to say Calgary. They've not beaten Alberta this season. The only team in Canada West they haven't beaten yet. And as you mentioned, really just the clear top team. Of course, UBC was going to have to face these guys if they're to uh, get that You've banner. You've got to play the best teams to win the championship. Absolutely. Yeah. Unless, potentially, UBC women's hockey. They don't have to play the first season. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't I, I mean, I don't, I don't want to talk down about Saskatchewan, but... <laughs> But uh, for the men's team, making it to nationals, got to feel good for them because they qualified in 2020. That was the first time they qualified to nationals since 1977. And then the tournament was canceled just a day or two before it was set to start because of the start of the pandemic. But thankfully, this season, they're right back there. They have a chance to finally play at nationals for the first time in decades. And uh, now looking at volleyball, both of our volleyball teams traveled to Edmonton for the first round of the playoffs. Bit of a different format than the hockey because they were drawn into two groups of four, play each other team once, and then the top two teams from the group advance to the second round. And let's start with the good news, and that is the women's team. The Thunderbirds... Sorry, Sorry, Mike, I nearly stole Mike's line. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay, I've been away for a while. I'm used to this. (laughs) Right? Uh, The Thunderbirds, who were the second seed in their group, took on the third seed Winnipeg uh, Winnipeg first. They beat them 3-1. It was tied 1-1 after two sets, but UBC took the third 25-20 and the fourth by 25-17 to close it all out. As has been the case so many times this season, Kara Kovacs led the team in kills with 17 and also had 11 digs, whilst Claire Cossarini had 12 kills and a monstrous 8 blocks. And meanwhile, Kayla Oxland, the setter, had a career-high 51 assists as well as 15 digs, while Jess Goodridge had a career-high 20 digs. All that happening in a match that didn't go to five sets. Doing these (laughs) career-high numbers in just four sets... UBC had 55 kills as a team compared to just 32 for the Westmen, who hit just 043 for their entirety. That's pretty. Uh, that's pretty rough, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> now, next up was the fourth seed Regina Cougars, and UBC punched a ticket to the next round with a dominant three nil win. Three three nil win. They took the first two sets of 25-15 and 25-16. They doubled up the kill count for. Uh, they almost doubled up the kill count uh, on the night with a 41-21 advantage. Uh, this time it was Bryn Passin who led the way with 12 kills and 3 aces whilst hitting a 409 hitting percentage, whilst Kovacs had 10 kills and 4 digs. Jade Robertson was extremely efficient with 6 kills on a 667 hitting percentage along with 3 blocks and 4 aces. And I don't really know what got into this women's volleyball team over the weekend because in the regular season they were good, but they weren't necessarily elite. They definitely dropped some games you wouldn't expect, but... They dispatched the first seed Alberta in convincing fashion in this final game of the weekend. They blew them out 25-13 to in the first set before winning 3-1 overall after the Pandas tie things up in the second. And just everything going right all of a sudden. You know what? No better time for it to go right. <laughs> yeah, though. I mean, if there's any time to all of a sudden start peaking, it's right now. Yeah, of course. Maybe this was all part of the plan. <laughs> uh, this time it was Elise Petit who was the star of, uh, star of the show. She had a career-high 18 kills to go along with her five digs. Oxland dished out 40 assists and had 14 digs and, and four aces. J.D. Robertson, she recorded six kills, six blocks, and four aces. Casey Jost was the second libero to get a career-high in digs this weekend. It was, it was a career-high weekend, what can we say? She had 20 herself. <laughs> so many career highs. 
Uh, UBC is in fine form and will now head back to Alberta for another stage of group play in the second round of the playoffs this weekend. This time it's a group of three and after two games, each of the top two teams will advance to the final four. I mean, I'm just at this point with the playoff format, I'm just expecting that all three teams are going to end up 1-1 after the two games and it'll just be tiebreakers on which of the two teams that go through. Uh, Thunderbirds, the two teams they'll face. First is the host Mount Royal, who were 14-4 in the regular season and 3-0 in the first round. As well as surprise team Calgary, who were just 5-13 in the regular season and 1-2 in the first round, but they advanced on a tiebreaker when three of the four teams in their group finished 1-2 and two <laughs> in the first round. So a little bit interesting, but uh, hopefully, hopefully we can beat them. You know what? It's a new format, and, well... Things, things like this will happen. Cinderella runs, Cinderella. March Madness. We'll get we'll get into that with the basketball section <laughs> as well, but Canada was really going all out this year with the new format. Absolutely. And now, uh, unfortunately, the playoffs did not go nearly as well for the men's volleyball team. The first piece of bad news is that while Colton Liu was able to play in two of the three matches, Matt Neves remained out for the entire weekend, a massive loss for the team. And then things went worse when the second seed UBC lost their first game to their group's third seed, Saskatchewan. Yeah, the T-Birds, they were actually up 2-1 in this match, but they lost in the fourth set 25-21. to and then fell 15-13 to 13 into the fifth and final set to put them in a deep hole right away. UBC actually had more digs, more blocks, fewer service errors, better hitting percentage. Like, they were the better team on paper, but they lost to the Huskies. <laughs> better team on paper, except not oh. quite, unfortunately. Uh, Michael Dohaniak led the way once again with 16 kills, 10 digs, and a career-high six aces. Although he did have nine service errors, uh, Cole Bransma had nine kills and three blocks. And Thunderbirds, they did keep their playoff hopes alive by beating the fourth seed in the group, UFV, 3-1 to one in the second match. It was actually very close, closer than the 3-1 might, suspe- uh, might suggest because the first three sets all went past the 25-point threshold into some extra volleyball. Very, very close. You know what? The fans are getting their money's worth. <laughs> uh, UBC hit a scorching uh, .417 as a team in this one, and they racked up 70 kills, led by Bransma, who had an incredible 26 uh, kills while hitting um, 467, along with seven digs, four blocks. Dohaniuk, as usual, had 14 kills. Mason Greaves, he recorded uh, 50 assists, along with four blocks. Uh, only five Thunderbirds had single attack attempts in the game, besides Bransma and Dohaniuk. Zali Zaluski hit a uh, 6.92 hitting percentage and James Vincent hit 3.85. The only one who struggled was Duncan Clark, who hit zero. Yeah, going into match three against the first seed, Alberta, Thunderbirds knew they had to win if they were ha- to have a chance of staying alive. But sadly, despite entering the third set tied 1-1, they then lost both of the last two and were eliminated from the postseason. Lou had what was possibly his best performance since returning from injury uh, and what turns out to be his last and final night uh, in a UBC uniform. He had nine kills, six digs. Bransma led the way with 13 kills, eight digs, and four blocks, although he hit a much less efficient uh, .129. UBC as a team hit uh, .131 compared to uh, .299 for Alberta. Yeah, unfortunate that they lose in the first round of the playoffs, as was the case a couple of seasons ago. It'll be interesting to see what the team looks like next year as well, given that I think it was four or five of the regular players are graduating seniors. So it'll it'll be interesting. I mean, 
Hey, it, it's been a good run, but I mean, with all with all good great programs, they have to find a way, rebuild, come back stronger. Yeah, especially after this time. The good news is that uh, hopefully should have Neves, Dohanya, Greaves all there, and they'll be counted on to lead the team <laughs> next season <laughs> on a much bigger role. All right, now on to basketball for them, both the women's and men's. They headed into Canada West uh, playoff tournament on two different ends on the spectrum. The women's team were looking to make a Cinderella run after uh, a, an up and down regular season, while the men wanted to continue uh, what was an by all means historic regular season performance from them. Here's how everything panned out from the weekend's worth of action. Uh, The women headed into Calgary to face off against the 12th seed Manitoba Bisons in the first round. The format of the tournament is something new to Canada West. Uh, It's looking much more like a March Madness down south with every team participating in a straight knockout tournament. Yeah, bit interesting to have literally every team in the conference (laughs) make the playoffs at the end of the season, but we'll we'll see if they end up keeping it past uh, this year. In this game against the Bisons, the first quarter, tight battle between the two teams. The T-Birds trailing 16-10 to by the end of the period in a low-scoring affair before Manitoba blew the game open in the second due to UBC shooting just 8-for-34 from the field in the first half. They're down 14 at halftime. It's not looking good. It was not great, but luckily, or luckily, the Thunderbirds, they fought back in the third. They went on a 9-3 run to cut Manitoba's lead to the lowest that it would be in the second half, seven points. However, a barrage of three-pointers killed any hopes of a comeback for the T-Words as the Bisons made 15, 15 threes on the night. That's a lot of threes. That's a lot of threes. <laughs> uh, they won 74-55 in the end, eliminating the Thunderbirds. Haley Council did all that she could, putting up an impressive 26 points on a 10-25 shooting from the field. Unfortunately, the guard couldn't get much help with Kate Johnson supplying eight points as the second leading scorer for UBC. Yeah, so for the men's team, they also headed to Alberta with the Canada West playoffs taking place in Lethbridge. They were the fifth seed heading in despite a much better record than a couple of the teams ahead of them just because of how Canada West, I guess, differentiated between the different divisions. But despite that fifth seed, they were definitely expected to make it to the to the Final Four. Absolutely. Uh, in their first game against the 12th seed Mount Royal Cougars, the Thunderbirds were put to the test. Um, neither team gave up much ground as the Cougars briefly took the lead in the second before UBC rallied to go up 46-32 at half. Uh, Mount Royal came out firing in the second half, cutting the lead to 10 going into the fourth, where they immediately went on a 7 to nothing run and held UBC scoreless for the first four minutes of the quarter. Yeah, definitely not looking great for the Thunderbirds, but they had some late-game heroics to push them to the win. The game was tied at 68 late, but they regained a 75-72 to lead with 30 seconds to play and then won 77-72 to in the end. Grant Audu continued his stellar campaign with 22 points to lead the Thunderbirds in scoring. Brian Wallach had 15 points and 8 rebounds. Next up was a very stern test in the quarterfinals against number 4 Saskatchewan in what turned out to be an instant classic of a game. The Huskies started out with a 14-5 run, but UBC turned the tides. They scored 13 straight to close the quarter. UBC gave up another huge gave another huge swing, an eight nothing run by the Huskies, turning into the 22 to 18 advantage. But Ardu checked checking back into the game spurred the Thunderbirds onto a 13 to four run, and going into halftime, the score ended up at 47 to 41 to Saskatchewan. Yeah, the two teams just going really back and forth in this game and they were both on fire from the outside all night basically they combined to shoot 29 for 58 from three 
the the game's 40 minutes long. We had 29 threes combined between That's the two nuts. teams. They were just firing from the outside. The hot shooting took full form in the second half. The UBC, they did regain the lead 70-68 to 68 heading into the fourth, and it was just super close the entire fourth. Absolutely, and these two teams didn't back down at all. The game was tied 84-84 late. And after the Huskies took the lead, UBC had the ball on the final possession, trailing 88-87. to 87. Sadly, though they found the opening to drive, both the layup attempt and the two putback attempts failed. The, fi- the final buzzer sounded with UBC eliminated in heartbreaking fashion. I mean... <laughs> it, 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 it's hard to describe it exactly, but just watching the clip of layup attempt off the rim, rebound off the rim, rebound off the rim, and then the buzzer just sounds, it, 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 it's a terrible way to lose. Wish we could have gotten that rim from Scotiabank Arena. <laughs> that could have come in handy. James Woods was on fire this game, torching the Huskies for 27 points and six three-pointers. Uh, Sukman Sandu had a strong night as well with 19 points on a 5-7 to seven shooting from the field. Unfortunately, Saskatchewan clamped down on Ardu, who was limited to only 9 points on the night. And with that, the basketball season ends for the Thunderbirds, unfortunately. Uh, the, the March Madness style... Given how it turns out, I will now say officially I'm on the side of it. it it's not a good thing. <laughs> it might only be because UBC lost, but <laughs> you know what? that is my new opinion. We are now going to take a quick break for as in PSAs. When we come back, we're going to be talking about the non-playoff action. That's baseball, softball, and golf. The Indigenous Committee at UBC presents Indigenous and Cultural Day, celebrating authentic Indigenous art of all forms. The event will feature several exhibits at the Student Nest Building, spanning from beading to showcases highlighting Indigenous-led businesses. Mark your calendars for April 11th at 12.30pm. TransCare BC works to enhance the coordination of trans health services across the province and offer expanded health services to support transgender communities. They are doing this by developing gender-affirming client-centered models of service, ensuring access to gender-affirming and supportive healthcare that is equitable and available, and supporting network development to make sure trans and gender-diverse individuals, their families, and healthcare providers have access to information, resources, and support. Check out phsa.ca to learn more about this program and lend your voice to help create an inclusive and supportive system for trans members of our community. Welcome back. You're listening to Thunderbird Eye on CITR 101.9. And now we're going to take a look at the home opener for baseball. Absolutely, Jake. Well, we all know there's no such thing as a free lunch. For free wins on the baseball diamond, apparently they do exist. A couple of forfeits by the Bushnell Beacons pushed UBC's uh, respectable 2-1 record from last week up to 4-1. and one. Uh, You can take them however they come. The two actual games that UBC played against the Lighthouse Boys were also wins, although a loss in the Emerald City to Seattle University Red Hawks soured an otherwise successful stretch. Yeah. I, I looked at the, the Bushnell site because the UBC site didn't actually explain why the games were forfeited for some reason. But on the Bushnell site, it was uh, laid out that 
they weren't able to bring a full roster of players to Vancouver for these games, and then so for some reason that meant they had to forfeit two of them. Oh, but, you could have definitely just got some people to bring <laughs> bringing some students from the crowd. If I was on campus and someone was like, you want to play a baseball match? I'd be like, sure. <laughs> I think that would go against a lot of NEIA rules just because, just because they're a lot more picky than U Sports. But you know what? Hey, Nobody would have known. Hey, for the fans. Have you ever held a baseball bat before, Ollie? Um, I can't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. All right. As we mentioned last week, uh, the series against Bushnell was the first in two years with the friendly, uh, within the friendly confines of Termaline Stadium, also known as probably the best stadium in all of NAIA baseball. I've looked at every single one of them. <laughs> every single one of them don't look that great. <laughs> Game one finished uh, 6-2 for the good guys with all eight runs scored from the fifth to seventh innings. Hey, you can't you can't compare the the, the stadiums when all these NAIA schools that were they're playing have populations of like five thousand students or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always impressed at how these American schools can have schools with wow, there's ten percent of the population of student population is UBC, and yet they have but some, like a dozen varsity sports teams. But but some of these teams are genuinely playing on high school fields. <laughs> so like you know what we'll take it. Yeah. Tourmaline Stadium, not a high school field. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> on that field, Ty Penner put fear into the souls of the Beacon pitchers, going for four hits on five at-bats with three RBIs. Bushnell also didn't do much to help themselves in this one either. They committed five fielding errors over the course of the game. Game two saw the Thunderbirds continue to back up solid pitching with plentiful, uh, plentiful run support as this tie-up finished 9-2. Noah Orr flashed a hot bat in this in this contest, grabbing four hits of his own whilst four other birds had extra base hits. Yeah, uh, Luciano Lettery, a speed specialist for the Blue and Gold, I hope I pronounced his name right, uh, had the best day he could ask for. He came in to run uh, run for Orr each time he had a hit, stole four bases in the process, and again, uh, it, it was a great day for the Thunderbirds. <laughs> that's that's got to that's be an interesting role in the team. Like, you're on the baseball team, but he's basically out there just running wind sprints <laughs> over yeah, the course of the game. Absolutely. He's not hitting. He's not fielding. He's just there to be really fast. And also, like, especially, I want to shout out uh, Oliver, uh, Oliver Duffy, um, first-year pitcher. Uh, he's he's hailed all the way from uh, Dubai. That's my guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, he should be because, um, like, the, the guy had a rough outing on their first road trip. But he comes in, um, pitches four strikeouts, and doesn't give up a run. I mean, hey, what else can you ask for for your first year? Yeah, your namesake? Yeah, <laughs> and we said, he'd, you know, I said he'll be back. Give him another chance. He'll be fine. <laughs> Got to stick up for all the other exactly. uh, Ollies out there. Exactly, mate. And uh, unfortunately, the good vibes did end with a loss to Seattle on the road. That was a tight 5-3 to three affair in which the Thunderbirds led 2 nothing early. Ty Panner, three more hits for him, including a two-run homer. But the Birds had trouble generating other offense against Red Hawks ace Bracey, Brady Little and his host of relievers. UBC will remain south of the border this weekend as they play four games in two days against Oregon Tech Owls in Claymouth. These are the Thunderbirds' last four games before the regular CCC season kicks off on March 18th against the College of Idaho Yotes. Now, a team that had their home opener of conference play this past weekend was the Thunderbirds softball team. They played a four-game series against the University of Providence, Montana, in the first-ever conference games at the new Collings Field here on campus. Great monumental moment for the team, and it was quite a successful weekend as well with four wins. Absolutely. I mean, what better way to break in 
Well, considering that the softball team used to play their home games in Surrey, this is much better. Home to... games in Surrey, practices in Surrey. We can't rip on the NAIA teams too much. But up, <laughs> <laughs> up until like the last couple of seasons, we had our softball team driving for a few hours every time they had a practice oh my to God. Surrey. But they, 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 got, they got the facilities now. And you know what? what, what and it was a great opening weekend. I mean, in the first doubleheader on Friday, UBC's pitching dominated. They didn't allow a single run between the two games. The first, uh, Shelby Kemple pitched close to a perfect game. She only allowed one hit and one walk while striking out nine batters. On offense, UBC scored two runs early through Nicole Salas, RBI single in the first, and a Hannah Clegg RBI double in the second, and that was all they needed. Yeah, game two, offense woke up, blowout, UBC won 9-0 in a game that was mercy-ruled after just five innings. The crazy part, UBC, they scored nine times. They only had seven hits in the entire game. They scored three runs on wild pitches, two runs on sacrifice flies, and one off an error. Partridge in a pear tree as well on the sidelines. You know what they say, don't interrupt an enemy while they're making mistakes. <laughs> uh, on the mound, though, to talk about not making mistakes, rookie Shea's server uh, tried to one-up Kemple by striking at 11 out of the 16 batters she faced. She only allowed one hit and two walks. Game 3 was much closer as UBC jumped out to a 4 to nothing lead in the 4th. Providence responded by scoring uh, 5 in the 5th before UBC in turn retook the lead with 3 runs in the 6th to win it 7-5. to five. Yeah, Mia Valk, Emma Dorval, and Emily Sherritt all had multi-hit games in this one. And it was rookie Caitlin Kim who was the hero. She came in as a pinch hitter in the 6th, brought home the winning runs by hitting a 2-RBI double. Game 4 didn't count for the conference standings, but UBC closed out the weekend on a high note uh, with a 6-2-2 win. Led by Olivia... Uh, <laughs> Malescu? Malescu. Well, we'll go with that. Olivia Malescu, who had three hits with two RBIs and two runs scored. UBC is back in the United States this weekend as they held down to LeGrand to take on the 3 to and nothing Eastern Oregon in a four-game series. After that, they'll be at home for 10 of their next 12 games. That's good. Yeah. yeah, and all right, I want everybody to get on their imagery hats right now. <laughs> Imagine how peaceful the winter was for the rivals of the UBC golf teams. For a few splendid months, they could relax without having to worry about absolutely getting minced by the Pacific Northwest's finest. Well, the winter's now over, and the mincing has resumed. Both teams played in the Vikes Canada West Spring Shootout on the island Sunday and Monday, and... I mean, just continuing on from a very dominant fall, another series sweep was theirs for the taking. Yeah, forget winter is coming. The UBC golf teams are coming. They are <laughs> inevitable. In particular, the women's team absolutely slaughtered the competition in a two-round tournament. They finished 55 strokes ahead of the next closest team. They hit minus 13 or under 13 compared to plus 42 for UFV. And... At that point, are I, are they having a, a fun time out there, just watching the scoreboard? Me, I thought I'm playing golf all the time. I know the feeling. Oh, am I having fun anymore? No. <laughs> At this point, I feel like it's just a competition between themselves. That's yeah. probably what they're doing. It seems that way. I mean, individually, the uh, the Thunderbirds swept the podium and then some, actually taking the top six spots in the event. Sonia Tang grabbed the trophy at 7-under, uh, whilst Elizabeth Lab finished 3-under. Emily Lee at even. Uh, Shania Red... Romandaban. Romandaban at uh, plus 3. Alyssa Chang at plus 6. And Una Chow at plus 7. Not uh, only do you win the team score, 
top six, all from the same school. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't even close. There was no one, even no individual golfer on one of the other schools who could who could measure up. You know what? I, that just goes to show how strong our <laughs> golf program was. Right? Why is this the case? Is it just what's in the water here? I don't no. know. Like I know there's, there's golf balls. There's, golf balls. There's, there's golf balls. courses on campus here. Like is that like a facility that other people don't have? The other schools don't even have golf courses. I'm just trying to figure it out. Like, <laughs> they practice on mini putt courses. <laughs> yeah. Like, crazy. They got out here against UBC. It's yeah. like what are we supposed to do? I've yeah. been practicing mini putt oh. this whole time. <laughs> All right. Well, while Tang gets all the glory, uh, Lee probably had the most defining moment of the tournament. On her second to last hole of the competition, the par 3 17th at Cordova Bay Golf Course, she hit a hole in one, earning her no shortage of celebration. Talk about the highlight of your rookie season. Yeah, it's all downhill from here. <laughs> you got one hole in one, that's it. <laughs> while the women's team scoffs at the idea of mercy, our men's team toyed with the competition a little bit. They actually went to a playoff with the Cascades in the team event before pulling through to get the win for the event overall. Mm, their individual men's title did elude the Thunderbirds as UVic's uh, Robin Conlon claimed low score of five under. Dylan McDonald put forth uh, put forth a third place performance, finishing one under. Aiden Schumer and Mackenzie Bickle tied uh, fifth at one over. JP Carlett. Uh, was four over, meant he tied for ninth, while Russell Howler and Michael Vork rounded up the squad in the 17th place tie at nine over. So maybe maybe not quite the uniform dominance for the women's team, but it, they, they got through in the end. Well, yeah, and I mean, it, it's a tough, UFE is a tough opponent, as always. Uh, these two programs, UBC and UFE, they've traded uh, the first two Canada West men's golf titles. They were synchronized again to an uncanny degree this event. Not only did the two teams finish a level on aggregate before playoff, but even then, they posted matching scores in both rounds. Negative 3, then uh, minus 3, and plus 13. UBC now returns to action in two weeks when they travel to Las Vegas for the Paiute Battle, spiritual successor to the Grandview Battle at Prim, which the Thunderbirds took part in for a number of years. And each team will look to keep the steam roller chugging. Now, before we wrap things up, just a couple of more sports to quickly get to. On Saturday, UBC's men's rugby, they headed to Stanley Park to take on Vancouver Rowing Club. They beat them 31-20. to Unfortunately, uh, we don't know anything besides uh, besides the score. We know there's a lot of Carsons playing. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the, Car- awesome. the Carson clan is the, the Carson clan that has blessed UBC with a number of great rugby athletes. <laughs> yep. Uh, I counted them before. Four in the starting lineup, one on the bench. <laughs> so many Carsons. Uh, speaking of rowing, the UBC rowing teams had their first meet of the new year at the Elk Lake Spring Regatta in Victoria. UBC dominated, especially the men's side, which was helped by the fact that the Vikes male athletes weren't able to compete due to COVID concerns. Yeah, among the Thunderbird athletes who topped the podiums were Ethan Enns, Nico Schramm, and Emerson Crick on the men's side, and then Jessica Sevick, Claire Briand, and Claire Cunningham on the women's side. Cool, well... Now we're going to look over uh, to next week's action, uh, starting with the women's volleyball team. They will play twice over the weekend, first against the University of Calgary Dinos and then against Mount Royal University. These are both Canada West second round matches. The women's uh, hockey team will play in their Canada West final matches against the University of Saskatchewan, which is very exciting. Uh, They'll play on Friday, Saturday and Sunday in a best of three. 
The baseball and softball teams will both be in action too. The baseball team is playing a series against Oregon Tech and the softball team will be playing their series against East Oregon University. Always slipping under the radar, the men's rugby team will be playing, uh, this time against Pacific Pride on Saturday. And last but not least, the men's field hockey team will be playing against the Vancouver Hawks. Speaking of going under the radar, men's field hockey, sometimes we don't even get a final score. Oh, yeah. yeah. What's happened with (laughs) Doug? We need more coverage for men's field hockey. Come on, guys. But uh, definitely definitely come out uh, to the women's hockey championships if you can. There's definitely going to be games on Friday and Saturday. The Sunday only if necessary. But chance for conference championship here uh, on home ice, which would be very sweet. We'll ha- obviously be covering all that next week. But uh, for now, thank you for tuning in to Thunderbird Eye on CITR 101.9. Besides listening to the show, the best way to keep up to date with UBC Thunderbirds news and stories is to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at CITR Sports. Next up on CITR is the All Access Pass. For Thunderbird Eye, this has been Jake McGrail, Mike Lou, and Ollie Nicholas with the contributions from Corey Branson. Thank you for tuning in and have a great rest of your day.